Jerry Pettigrew is the head basketball coach at Cuba City High School in Wisconsin. Coach Pettigrew is the all-time leader in wins in the state of Wisconsin in basketball and one of the leading coaches in all of high school basketball across the country. Um, He's accomplished just about every award you could imagine and achieved championships at every level you could imagine and is without a doubt a legend and a leader in the state of Wisconsin as a in the, in the game of basketball. Coach Pettigrew is known for a lot and too much to go into now but a couple of the things that are especially interesting to me are his his development of the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association and how he has helped uh, foster such a, a tremendous organization that helps coaches in this state develop and to to learn and to network with each other um, and has really promoted the game to the point that basketball in the state of Wisconsin has reached probably its greatest heights ever um, right now uh, from the youth stages up through high school levels just very strong game and a lot of that is certainly due to the wonderful coaching in the state. I also am really interested in and admire coach for the way he's been so active and Um, successful at sharing the game with others through his videos that are online if you if you google coach jerry pettigrew um, on youtube for example you can find many many uh, videos of 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 him talking about all kinds of things about his offense about different drills working at camps all kinds of things that coach has been just a prolific sharer of of ideas and that's changed the game in a lot of positive ways and he's had a really remarkable influence um, on the game in this state and really beyond there's a whole generation of coaches who have learned from coach Pettigrew Um, so it was just a real honor and a pleasure to get to speak with coach and to to hear some of his stories from growing up and learning the game and I also appreciated hearing how he has done so while at the same time remaining fully committed to his his family and, and in fact his family has played an active part in in his work over the years. So thank you Coach Pettigrew for joining us. It was a wonderful privilege to, to have you on the show. You know, uh, my, I was born in Galena, Illinois, which is just 15 miles uh, South here of Cuba City, but uh, uh, you know, I I think that I got my work ethic from my parents. Uh, both uh, my mom worked in a factory. My dad was a miner. They both worked extremely hard, and uh, I have to credit them with the work ethic that I think that I display. Uh, as far as coaches, there were two that that. Uh, that really influenced me a great deal. My uh, uh, both were high school basketball coaches, and one was the high school football coach who just passed away here, who uh, less than a little over a week ago, to be honest with you. And uh, both of those men uh, sort of set the table for me. Uh, and at an early age, I knew that I. I wanted to be in coaching in some form. And so my first venture into it was as a little league coach. And uh, 
then as a, a junior high basketball coach and, uh, and then, uh, went from junior high basketball coach to graduating from college and, and right away, uh, I jumped into the fray and got a head job at a school here in Wisconsin with only 72 kids in the school. And, uh, uh, I was there for four years as a head boys basketball coach. So that's sort of the, uh, and I, I do believe that uh, mentors, uh, and if I had one, uh, you know, when young coaches today asked me, uh, what advice would you give us? You know, I, I usually say to younger coaches, uh, I would take, if I could do it all over again, I would take all the psychology classes in college that I could possibly take because I think that the most important aspect in coaching is relationships. And uh, I know for me, having been involved in it for over 55 years, uh, it's an ever-changing landscape as far as, as kids are concerned as parents are concerned uh and uh so but i uh, i would have to admit to you that uh i believe that every young coach should have a mentor and uh my mentors were uh, two former coaches that i had at galena high school and then on to college where i had another outstanding coach and, and a friend and Coach, you, you said your work ethic, you um, got a lot of it from your parents. <clears throat> um, your father as a minor, your mother working in factories. What role did sports have in your household growing up, and how did your parents view sport? You know, that my parents, as I said, uh, uh, but you have to remember, my next birthday, I'm going to be 80, so I grew up in the uh, 1950s. Uh, and uh, uh, sports were not as big as they are now. Baseball was big. Uh, and my mom was a Cub fan, so I was a Cub fan. My sister was uh, uh, a Cardinal fan because my dad was a Cardinal fan. So <laughs> that was kind of fun, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, they were happy that as kids, you know, uh, how things have changed so much, Pete. Uh, we used to go out in the morning, uh, growing up in Galena, we'd go out and uh, we'd come home at noon. And um, uh, as we got older, uh, mom used to have sandwiches for us in the refrigerator. We'd eat the sandwiches, we'd go back out and we'd play until four or five o'clock in the afternoon and come home for supper. Uh, and that was the majority of our day. We we played with everybody and everybody was on the playground and, and uh, uh, we were always playing softball or baseball or some sort of ball, you know? And uh, uh, I know until, until I was, uh, I'd say, 12 years old, uh, my grandparents lived on a farm and, and I, uh, my dad would, uh, uh, the mine that he worked at, 
was just a mile from their farm. So he dropped me off with my grandparents, and uh, I would stay there until, as I said, somewhere about 11 or 12, and then mom let me stay home. Uh, but otherwise, uh, and that's it was interesting. Pete, that's where I learned to play euchre, oh. uh, which is pretty much of a Midwest game that my grandfather and I played it all the time. And he told me all the rules and regulations, so I think I'm a pretty good euchre player. Not for sure. <laughs> well, that's that's an important skill set to have growing up in the Midwest. <laughs> that's great to hear of the kind of multi generational um, being raised with both your parents and your grandparents and your your siblings. Um, and then, Coach, I know I'm skipping a lot here, but just coming to to Cuba City, um, is there what what is Cuba City like, and what what is the role of a coach there? mean in, in a town like Cuba City? Maybe as you started, you know, and maybe how that's changed over the years. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, I think that, that Cuba City had the reputation of being a, a basketball town. They had good basketball teams in the in the past, but, but I remember when I was hired by the superintendent, he said to me, he said, uh, Coach, if you keep Platteville once every four years, uh, your job's safe. <laughs> Platteville was a big rival. And uh, uh, so we went out and we beat Platteville 17 times in a row. Uh, I started out in Cuba City. Uh, I think it's like most small towns, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, in that uh, school, uh, and especially school athletics, is very important because there's not a lot else going on in the town. Uh, you're not battling, uh, you know, you're not battling the Badgers or uh, or uh, uh, some other uh, 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 college or pro sport. Uh, as I said, on Friday nights, and it used to be Friday nights, you know, that was the big night that uh, people went to the basketball games, so, you know. Uh, that's changed a little bit now. That's changed a great deal, to be honest with you. But uh, I think all uh, because, uh, you know, you are the center of attraction and basketball is, to many of these towns, basketball and football, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, you get to know the, the town people really fast through their kids. And uh, one of the things that's been the toughest for me is that the kids that I now have, I had their parents <laughs> in as players uh, and in class where, I, you know, I taught history for uh, at Cuba City High School for 32 years. So uh, that was, uh, you know, a change for me. And, uh, uh, but I always went back to one of these, as one of my mentors told me, uh, you're probably not going to be the most popular person in town if, uh, you do it right. And, uh, you know, my philosophy has always been in, in grade school, play as many kids as you possibly can play, okay? And even the 
freshman level, uh, play as many kids as you possibly can play. Once they start the sophomore level, it's, uh, you know, whether we like it or not, I want to win. I want to win. And, uh, uh, and I, I made a pact with myself a long, long time ago that I'm going to put the best five players on the floor. They're going to start. And uh, that always doesn't sit well with a lot of people because especially as, you know, AAU has become big and these kids are playing AAU and they're starting for that team and they're averaging 15 points and they're flying on planes to Vegas and what have you. Now they're coming back and they're riding a school bus from Cuba City to Mineral Point and the coach isn't even starting them. Uh, that could be a problem. And that's why I always say that uh, younger coaches need a mentor. And uh, on that bench, have somebody with some gray hair. Uh, and maybe it's a former coach or maybe it's somebody that uh, has a passion for basketball. But uh, they kind of keep you grounded uh, a little bit. And uh, I think that's important. I would imagine, along with all of the great advantages of being in a smaller town, some of the things you're talking about here can be especially difficult in that probably everywhere you go, you're, you go to the grocery store, or you go to church, or you go anywhere, you're, you're seeing parents or people who maybe aren't always happy with you. Yes, yeah, you are absolutely right on that, because, you know, our town is 2,200, and... Uh, and uh, even during the COVID virus, I, I still go to the store, got my mask, and, and I still go to the store and pick up groceries. Because my wife, was, as, uh, she went through breast cancer here, and this year has been a tough year in the Pettigrew household, but uh, she's doing well, and uh, we're happy for that. And But... Uh, you're right. Uh, even it, and uh, our uh, priest at at, uh, at uh, St. Rose Parish over here in Cuba City, he's a huge basketball fan, and he very seldom misses uh, either a boys or girls game or UW Plateau men's game. And uh, uh, so, uh, uh, even in church, there, you still <laughs> have that basketball atmosphere. To be honest with you, and uh, uh, I try to. Uh, there are, you know, some parents that, that uh, uh, resent me because their kid did not play as much as they wanted him to play. Uh, over the years, it probably softens up, and uh, uh, they find out, you know, he he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He, he uh, uh, and I always, my philosophy has always been, uh, I want to coach kids the way that. I would like to be coached, and I look upon them as my sons, and uh, I'm not a screamer, I'm not a holler, I, uh, but I want to get things done, and uh, we're going to do it this way, uh, because this way is the correct way, and, uh, 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 you know, I, I see that one of the people, people that you interviewed was Bo Ryan, and one thing that always uh, I was uh, impressed with Bo Ryan is that uh, uh, he had an uh, inner confidence in himself. 
And I remember when uh, he got the University of Wisconsin gentleman, I had known him well from Platteville down here. And uh, uh, I said to Bo, I said, Bo, do you think the uh, swing offense can work at the Big Ten? And he said to me, Jerry, he said, uh, he said the swing offense will work anywhere. He said, it's just a great offense, Jerry. And believe me, he said, uh, I'm not going to be intimidated by anyone. And he said, but we're going to win championships at the University of Wisconsin. And I got he went out and he did it. So you have to be impressed with that. Yeah, no kidding. That's that's really impressive. Coach, is the I've heard this story, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but is it true that in some of your earlier days in Cuba City that you would go to the hospital and, and give the newborns all a mini basketball in order to kind of uh, get the basketball spark? Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Uh, it was just another way to promote basketball. And, and uh, uh, we no longer have the hospital here in town. It went out long, long time ago, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, we did that uh, maybe for a couple of years. I just got... Uh, uh, they gave me an average of how many babies were going to be born, <laughs> and I just took those little basketball future Cuba City Cuban, uh, just one of those miniature basketballs, and, and people got kind of a kick out of it, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, the big thing then, uh, uh, we used to, uh, I used to, uh, in class, I'd say to the kids, how many have a basket in your backyard? You know, and most of them would raise their hand that couple wouldn't I'd say you go home and tell your parents that uh, uh, you know that you're deprived you need a basket <laughs> in the backyard and uh, uh, and even to this day it's, it's surprising how many baskets there are in Cuba City but the, one of the things now is nobody shoots on an outside basket anymore you know what I mean uh, a few of the playgrounds they do but uh uh, you know, it's different. It's it's just different. Now we have the shoot away, and you can get into the gyms, and you know you can put up five hundred shots in, in less than an hour, and, and what have you. So once again, yeah. times change. Because I used to look upon it, and I drive around uh, the neighborhoods and see who would put up a new basket. You know, so it was interesting. Coach, as a history teacher, um, did you? Um, as as a new teacher growing when you first came to Cuba City, did you learn things as a teacher in the classroom that that impacted you as a coach? Oh, definitely. Number one, I think one of the mistakes that especially young coaches, uh, you know, I've talked to a young coach and he'll say, I I really love coaching, but I don't care for the classroom. And I think, oh, my God, they're not going to be around long. They're not going to be around long. Uh, that's your job. I mean, to me, uh, the gym was an extension of my classroom. And uh, they uh, they paid me to teach. And so I just didn't want to be a warm body in the classroom. I wanted to be the best history teacher I could be. And I wanted to make the subject come alive. And I wanted the kids to be as excited about history as uh, because 
you know, a lot of times people aren't excited about history, and I think it's just amazing. And so, uh, it was when I left the classroom 20 years ago. Uh, I've been retired from teaching for 20 years. When I left the classroom, uh, I was really depressed because I enjoyed teaching so much. Uh, and uh, I, I just feel it's an extension of your classroom. And, and uh, uh, I think your really successful coaches are great teachers, great teachers. And so, uh, yes, uh, lessons and lessons, I think, that, you know, you as a teacher uh, and you're with a student, you know, for the entire semester, you get to know that student a little bit. You, you begin to you get to understand body language and you understand when they're, when things aren't going right for them and, and when they need a helping hand and, and things like that. And, and I think that one of the most important things in basketball or any sport, being able to read body language, being able to read body language and, and, uh, uh, and as a coach, reacting to that body language of your players, whether it be on the bench or, you know, or whether it be on those bus rides. And, and uh, hey, here's how we act on the bus. Uh, these are the pedigree rules, you know. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I love long hair. I wish I had some. <laughs> In basketball, uh, you know, it's just been me. Yeah, no beards, no long hair. You know, that's been, that's been, and so it's kind of a joke now, to be honest with you. The kids, the kids know it, they accept it, and when the season's over, the yeah, hair grows along and the beards come out, and uh, more power to them. You know, they look cool, but not on the basketball floor, that's all. And uh, so, uh, as I said, and, and I think that as a coach, you learn, you know, when you stop learning, then it's time to get out. It's time to get out. So I enjoyed my time when Bowline was at Platteville down here. I'd go up to practice, and uh, he'd get me out of chair, and I'd just watch practice and just watch how, you know, arguably one of the five best coaches in America, how, uh, how he conducted practice, you know, and that... Uh, you know, he never used a whistle. He never used a whistle. And uh, uh, I just thought, uh, uh, I think I love going to practices and seeing how other people practice. And, and uh, I watch a lot of video, tremendous amount of video. And, and, uh, uh, and during this COVID virus, I'm, I mean, I'm all set for the next year, uh, we're ready to go. We're going to have a decent team, and and, uh, uh, and you fit your offense to your personnel, and and, uh, uh, and I conversely, you know, one of the best things for me is I'm the executive director of the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association. Uh, when I took over, we had uh, a little over 500 members. Now we're 4,300 strong, and probably the best basketball organization in the United States. And that's not brag, that's, that's, uh, that's just uh, truth. And uh, uh, so those are things that have uh, 
I get off, I'm sorry, I get off on a tangent, and I know your question is the classroom, and, and I can't stress it enough that classroom helped me so much. And uh, for me personally, when I came out of high school, I wasn't a great student, and uh, uh my English teacher told my mom, she said, he uh, he might be good at driving the truck. Uh, and, uh, fortunately, my mom went along with me, and uh, uh, my first year out of high school, I went to a radio broadcasting school. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a baseball announcer. And so I went to Chicago. It was a, a year's class, and uh, I never did... Uh, follow up in radio, had one small job, uh, and I was doing the farm market report, and it wasn't me, and so had a chance to go back to the University of Duke the next year, and that's where I graduated from, but I look back on that year that I spent in Chicago studying broadcasting, and maybe it was the best thing that ever happened to me, because uh, it, uh, I never was uh, comfortable being on my feet in front of people. And after that, it started to come a little bit easier and easier and easier. And so when I got in that classroom, it was my time to perform. Uh, and uh, I was on stage. And so I was ready to go. You must have taken a lot of those lessons with you as well, because of the you've you've in, you've inspired a whole generation of coaches through your many videos. And if you look up your name on YouTube, there's hundreds of uh, just videos and uh, there's a font of wisdom there. So it's amazing to see how uh, how how your ideas can spread just via technology um, beyond the classroom now to a whole generation of coaches. I helped uh, any amount. I'm really happy and to this day when I when I do videos, I always put my phone number on there or email address. And say, hey, if you got any questions, just give me a call. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and be surprised. I'll get a call from Nashville, Tennessee. The somebody watched a video on YouTube and said, Coach, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and uh, I enjoy talking to them and. and uh, it's uh, you know it's been a passion and and it's been, you know I've got a wonderful wife and and uh, three wonderful kids and, and they all have families and, and uh, uh, we've we've enjoyed life. My wife was a teacher, she's the best teacher I ever knew, and she taught for uh, thirty five years in Galena, Illinois, second grade, and uh, uh, we've just uh, we've had a wonderful life. So uh, you know and. Uh, it, my heart breaks of what's happening right now. You know, I just uh, uh, hard to believe that uh, we've now lost more people than we lost in Vietnam. And uh, wow, uh, it, you know, uh, you in your lifetime will never experience what we're experiencing now. And uh, uh, the big question is, how do we get out of it? And yeah. uh, hopefully, uh, there's that. Uh, young scientists out there that uh, going to come up with that vaccine and make everything better. Yeah, yeah, it's a scary time for sure. Um, Coach, I have actually, you've referred to your family a number of times, and I've off, I, I've actually heard you in other talks talk about your family. Um, 
in some cases, a lot, a lot of what I read about coaches, a lot of coaches I've known, that can be a really difficult balance due to kind of the nature of coaching. There's always a team to scout. There's always um, a practice to run, and there can be a strain in terms of having a full devotion to being a family person as well as a coach. How, how has that worked in your life? Yeah, no, you're you're correct, and it's it's much easier now, Pete, because of huddle. You you, I when I go scout a game, I get so involved in the game, I really don't take any notes. You know, and, uh, 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 now you everybody's on huddle, so you can watch the opposition on huddle right from your living room, and now that I'm retired, man, I can watch all kinds of game film, and I, you got this kid that's scoring plenty of game, and you're looking at what's his tendencies, and what's he going to be doing, and here's how we're going to guard him, and what have you. But in the early days, you're right. Uh, if you, you were doing your job, you had to get out and scout, and that wasn't easy, because you had a growing family, and, and you had a wife, and here you were on a on a, a Monday night or a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, and you're gone. And uh, if you didn't play on Friday, you were out scouting on Friday and, and scouting on Saturday. And uh, you really need uh, an understanding wife. And my wife has been with me every step of the way now. She... Uh, she hasn't seen me play many games, to be honest with you. She comes to the game, and she gets nervous. So if she gets nervous, and it's a away game, she pops in the car and then come back in. Uh, uh, at the home game, she'll go sit in the teacher's lounge, then <laughs> peek in the door every once in a while. So it's kind of a, a standing joke around here. She sees very few games because uh, if they're, this year she saw more than most because uh, we had uh, a running clock and eight of them and uh, we only had two games closer than uh, 10 points. Uh, so out of the 25 that we won. So this was kind of a good one, but it, it goes back to your wife and, uh, uh, and she's been, she's been the best. And uh, she understands, and and uh, the first thing I did when I became uh, executive director of the Basketball Coaches Association, she became my executive secretary. So anybody that's a basketball coach in the state will tell you that the reason why the Basketball Coaches Association is so successful is because of John Kennedy. She, uh, she, uh, she's uh, uh, the brains behind the operation, and... Uh, we run a fabulous Hall of Fame banquet. Uh, have about 700 to 800 people come, and and uh, uh, we honor about anywhere from 25 to 30 new inductees each year. It's a, it's a big, big thing in the state of Wisconsin, and for the people going in, and it's all because of Joan. It's all because of Joan and another, uh, you know. Uh, offshoot for us has been just a game in, in the Dells. We've moved all of our operations to the Dells and uh, Dave Royston and his family has a beautiful facility up there where we have the Hall of Fame Museum and, and uh, most of our activities take place at just a game and, and most of our events take place in the Wisconsin Dells. 
if you can't have fun in the Dells work and have fun at uh, that's right. You know, but uh, no, uh, I think uh, going back to the question that uh, you know it, there is a, a fine line there, and uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, even though. Uh, I know a lot of coaches will get out and they'll say, want to spend time with my family. Uh, and that seems to be the bottom line. I want to spend time. Uh, I, I think if you really talk to a lot of coaches, they're saying, hey, you know, my family really kind of enjoys that I do coach, but they kind of like to see me get out of the house once in a while. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if I always find that argument that I want to spend more time with my family, although that, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, good coaches are good family people uh, goes hand in hand, just goes hand in hand, and and, uh, uh, that's important. On a a related note, um, I was wondering about how the the young people who uh, have played with you over the years, how being a part of a team has helped them become better in other parts of their lives. In other words, it's it's very clear that you've been... um, hugely successful and won more games than anyone could anyone ever has and been remarkably successful but I also know you've had a lot of success stories that don't show up in a win-loss column in in other words helping young people become better sons or better brothers or better parents Um, is that something that you've thought about a lot coach over over the years yeah you, you stay in touch with those people uh and they stay in touch with you and uh, uh, there's when I first came here, uh, one of my uh, guards was John McQuaid, and, and uh, he went to Platteville, played uh, in Platteville for Dick Wadowitz, and then uh, came back to town. He's an insurance man in town. But, you know, I did this thing, are still very close. Uh, a lot of the guys that stay around here, if they still can play, they'll still come in and they'll go up and down against my kids, you know what I mean, no? And that's always been kind of a tradition. And, and this was kind of funny. The other night, uh, and I'm, like everybody, we're watching the last dance, you know? And at about 11.30, and I'm in bed, and Coach Jeff Mustina, who coached the girls here now, he's at UW Platteville as a assistant women's coach. He coached the girls here the one time and was so successful. He texted me and he said, Coach, answer this question. Did we ever have B.J. Armstrong Armstrong at a Cuba City basketball game? And so I texted him back and they said yes, because I had a close tie with uh, Tom Davis, who was the coach at the University of Iowa. I said, we had B.J. Armstrong at the Cuba City camp, a great young man. We had Jeff Settles. Uh, We had... uh, uh, you know, from Wisconsin, we had Michael Finley, we had Nicky uh, Van Exel, uh, we had all these people came to the Cuba City basketball game. That was at a time when, you know, they, they, they you say, hey, could you come in and uh, we'll give you $100. I said, oh my God, yes. I can be, <laughs> you know, and so he came and, and, and nowadays, uh, you don't get nearly as many because they're back on camp already. Be honest with you when they run the camp, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, proud of you know. I, I gotta relate one story to you. Uh, a kid that played for me in in 1991. He was on uh, uh, 
my state championship team in 1991. His name was uh, uh, Kowalski, and uh, he became a doctor. And uh, uh, and I'm reading here. He's now in uh, Lacrosse. Uh, works for the Gunderson Clinic. And I'm reading where he and another doctor came up with uh, uh, test kits for COVID virus, and that uh, that uh, most people, I think, uh, in I think Lacrosse is in Vernon County. I'm not very sure about that, but but whatever county Lacrosse is in, they, they, whereas most of the states have had trouble finding test kits. Lacrosse has not, because of, uh, uh, of this young man and his partner. Uh, and so that's one of the, and I could go through a hundred of those. I could go through a hundred of those how successful these young people have become, because I really do believe that uh, uh, those that play athletics have a leg up and that uh, you learn about life and that when things aren't going right, uh, there's going to be setbacks in your life, and they're going to get knocked down. And, and the big thing with athletics is you get yourself up off the floor, and you get back into the game, and uh, and, and that's how you compete. And so I think the idea of competing, I've always felt that that's been one of the advantages that you have when you compete. And uh, uh, so... Uh, as I said, you could, I could go through literally a hundred of them in each and every class that I've had. Next year will be 50, 50 classes here. Yeah, teams that I've had at Cuba City, and uh, God, God willing, you know, uh, and God willing that we have a season. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you, I, I love those people. Just absolutely love those kids. They're always so proud when you uh, see what they're doing, and they don't all have to be uh, doctors and lawyers and what have you. And some of them are just uh, kid next door to me. He, 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 uh, I don't know exactly what he does to do. He works, and, and he's got a great family. Lives in a nice house. It just is a really, really good dad, and. Uh, I respect him because he, uh, I know he played funny and played well. And so there are a number of those people around town, too, that I'm very, very proud of. And uh, But uh, uh, I think all of them, uh, hopefully I've played, uh, you know, uh, a small a small role in their life. That's all. You know, at least my favorite quote is, uh, you know, uh, uh, a good coach can change a game. Uh, a great coach could change a life, and uh, I, I kind of believe that. I really believe that. That's certainly a powerful impact, a, a role that kids have such formative, formative influence in their lives at, at critical stages. So it's that that that's a re- remarkable that you've had 50, 50 classes of students that you've been able to impact. Um, yeah, coach, I, yeah. I I am interested about you've mentioned a number of times how you keep learning and how you, whether it's learning about a team, a given opponent watching video or learning more broadly about, about the game and learning and, and tweaking what you're doing. I've always admired that about you, how you've adapted, for example, your offense, you've been an innovator in, in changing your offense and running new things. 
I'm also interested in, you've mentioned some coaches, how you learn from Coach Ryan or from Coach Davis. Um, has that been a key source for you um, in terms of having key partners that you learn with? And, and who have been some of those people? It sounds like Coach Ryan and Coach Davis. Have there been other people you've learned with closely over the years? Yeah, I, you know, I think that uh, probably my two closest friends right now is a coach of Illinois by the name of Will Ray. He was on the college level. Now he's coaching high school, small high school, suburb of Chicago. And Jeff Booz, who's a head basketball coach over at Sun Prairie, we're kind of the three amigos and we'll travel. I know Jeff went to, uh, Jeff and his son flew out to Villanova last year uh, in Philadelphia. And, uh, and spent some practices, and and Jeff and I and, and Will and went to uh, uh, a number of, of college sites and watched coaches practice and what have you. And we'll meet in Rockford, Illinois, and we'll have coaching sessions. And uh, just uh, three of us next year, we invited Steve Showalter because we were all interested in the high-low offense. And, and uh, I remember uh, growing up and uh, when. Uh, uh, Coach Guard was an assistant at GW, and Coach Guard had, had us up, and uh, he went through uh, the defense. And uh, I don't think that uh, uh, people give Coach Guard uh, enough credit. Uh, uh, Greg Guard is an amazing, amazing defensive basketball coach. He's a really, really good basketball coach. And... Uh, uh, and you know, really proud of, of Greg Carter because here he was from Iowa Grand High School. I mean, uh, I, I, uh, he played in, uh, on Iowa Grand. I coached at Cuba City and we're in the same league. And uh, we both won the state championship in the same year. So that was kind of cool, to be honest with you. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, so... Great guard, Paul Ryan, uh, Steve Yoder, uh, you know, all of these people, uh, UW makes it easy. I had a great conversation once with Al McGuire. God, I wish I would have taped that because uh, it was uh, it was just amazing, <laughs> to be honest with you. Hank Raymond's uh, in there in Milwaukee. I remember meeting him at the baseball game. Uh I want to learn each and every day, and uh, and uh, I just think that I know. Last year, I had Tom Desitel. He retired from Sheboygan Boys, and he ran the best fast break system in the state, no doubt. Every year, same way, uh, uh, Sheboygan Boys uh, they'd win their twenty games, and uh, Desitel's team would average over eighty points. And uh, my God, he was good. And so he agreed to come down last uh, summer, uh, and he worked with my kids uh, during the contact uh, days. Uh, and uh, uh, he was here for a day, and he put in all of his drills. This year we used all of those drills, and uh, we have, we were the second highest scoring team in the state, 82 points a game. And uh, I give Desitella a great deal of credit for that. And, and that session we had in Rockford, uh, Steve Showalter, he, uh, uh, he sent us, uh, you know, he, he and Zach and, and, uh, and his brother, uh, and Steve won three state 
championships in a row with Germantown and, and just had a, a tremendous success. And uh, he sent us all of his tapes, of the Germantown tapes, and he explained his high-low system. But I had two really good post people who I'm going to have back this year again. And we went to the high-low system, and that was a big part of our offense this year. And so, yeah, I uh, it, the best thing right now that's happened to me is that uh, I'm on the board of uh, championship videos. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the guy that heads up championship videos out of Ames, Iowa, he, uh, he lets me... Uh, uh, videos. He, he likes to get my viewpoint on them. So I can uh, look at any video that's coming out that uh, that I want to see. And he sends it to me. <laughs> Championship does, and they do almost all of them. And uh, wow, that's been, uh, that's been huge. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of information that's available to you. And that's actually one of another question I had, Coach, as I get to my last couple of questions for you is that there's so much information now and it can almost be an overload and i have a two, yes. two part two part question one is how how do you manage to look at all these ideas many of which may be good but they they may not always be a fit for you how do you decide among a bunch of great ideas which great idea makes sense for you and then second um have you had a have you had experiments that that failed where you were, you tried something and it just did not work. And, and why, why did it fail? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, uh, first about the failures, uh, I think that, that, you know, I've always had success with, uh, uh, working some sort of a high low, but if you don't have the, uh, horses to pull the cart, uh, you're spinning your wheels. And, uh, uh, you know, that's why I think that in today's basketball, everybody has to have some sort of dribble drive in their offensive arsenal. You need, kids have to be able to attack the hoop, have to be able, and you look at, even at the Big Ten, and the clock winds down, uh, and you know what they're going to do. They're taking it to the rack. And so you need some sort of dribble drive, but that can't be the only thing. Uh, and so, yes, there have been times when, but to me, the thing is, is it simple? Is it simple? Uh, you know, it used to be back in the old days, we, you know, you came off a double screen and what have you. Uh, nowadays, uh, the pick and roll at the top is the most effective uh, but if you go pick and roll on the wing, I'm not so sure that's a, that's a very good idea anymore to be honest with you uh, coaches can can defend that, but at the top it's still tough so yeah, it's trial and error and, and you you quickly figure it out but what to me is it simple is it simple? And then the second thing that I do is that uh, I, uh, I believe in specials, okay? So if it's a timeout, uh, we're coming out, we're probably going to hit you with a special. And uh, uh, 
you can't just, I always tell the coaches, uh, uh, you know, when I'm speaking, you just can't come out and say, let's run red or let's run one, let's run two, because with the tape out there, everybody knows what red is and one and two is. So I think you, uh, you know, you disguise them somewhat in that uh, our red play is, uh, hey, uh, gentlemen, uh, run the offense. Okay, running offense means that we're running red, uh, and everybody else off. And uh, you know, in the place that the gymnasium that you're playing in, the coach wants them to run the offense. You know, and uh, hey, you got to hustle. Well, hustle is probably your number two play, uh, so on and so forth. So I think that that's been one of my successes too. Is that uh, I'm not afraid to say that we're going to run a special and get a basket, and, and I'm not an equal opportunity employer. Some people say, hey, we, you know, I've got, I've got eight guys that, that uh, shoot the ball well, and I'm usually saying, uh, I don't think so. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I want to know in clutch situation, we're up by 20, I don't care get everybody the ball and everybody scores, that's fine. But a uh, game gets tight. I, I want to know who's taking the shot and what type of shot it is. And, uh, uh, and it's got a good chance of going in. Coach, my last question for you. I, I When I was kind of doing a little research on you here these last few days, um, I saw one of your players over the last couple of years, he was interviewed on the news and and they were asking him about you, and he said one of the things he enjoyed most is that you're you keep it fun, and that you he actually said you're very funny, and and that you tell a lot of great stories, and and you have a great sense of humor with with the boys. Um, so I have a two part final question for you: Is what are some of your um, tricks for keeping it fun and keeping it funny, uh, not funny, but keeping it fun, and then um, do you have a favorite funny story from over the years that we could finish on? Well, yeah, usually, yeah, you know, I will uh, come out of the locker room. Uh, we always, you know, uh, we meet uh, oh, 15 minutes before we hit the floor, okay? And the kids are already dressed, and we're meeting in a classroom, and, and uh uh, so I can use the board and what have you, or when obviously on the road we're meeting in the visiting locker room. But uh, uh, I usually ended up with a knock knock joke. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid, but uh, the kids, you know, they're so bad that they're funny, uh, to be honest with you. And in practice, sometimes I think you have to realize hey, uh, we got to go. Uh, Four days in a row here, and we're going to Riverdale. Riverdale has been real good here lately. So, uh, uh, and the kids are getting a little bit bored and what have you. So, number one, you mix it up with your drills. You mix it up with your drills. And number two, uh, hey, uh, we're going to leave practice with uh, a half-court shot. None of you are taking these in a game, but... Uh, uh, half court shot, and uh, uh, if uh, uh, we've got, we're going to put uh, uh, three minutes on the clock, and 
if you make uh, uh, a total of five uh, half-court shots, uh, I'd buy a pizza next Monday night at uh, Steve's. Uh, or, uh, you know, it's always funny. Uh, if uh, When I was in, in the classroom, you, you found out the kids that were going with so-and-so, and uh, uh, I'd usually make a joke, uh, hey, uh, uh, hey, Freddie, uh, I see that uh, you and uh, Sally are becoming pretty close. And the rest of the kids all laugh and so on and so forth. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that I I think that uh, you want to make sure that it's fun. You know, it's fun. The practices are fun. Uh, you know, I, I know people will say, well, practice, we want to practice hard and the kids want to achieve, but yet at the same time, uh, you can do both. You know, uh, it's not drudgery. And I never run just for the sake of running. Uh, we don't do that. We don't do that. And, and uh, uh, we'll line them up at the end. One of my favorite ones is we'll line them up at the end. And, uh, okay, and Pete, you come out and you shoot the free throws. Okay, uh, you're going to shoot one free throw. Uh, if you think Pete's going to make it, uh, stay right where you're at, okay? If you think Pete's going to miss it, step out, okay? Well, if uh, about half of them step out and half of them stay back, if you make it, okay, the ones that step out, they got to run down and back. And then we go to the next one, and we go all uh, 15 guys to shoot one free throw, and you fight out and... Uh, really good free throw shooters, they all stay back. The guy that's been struggling and might be only shooting about 40%, uh, they all step out, my God, he hits it, and uh, they're all running, and that uh, gets their last hit.